I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 37 is where we are going to be focused on today. We're in the third week of a series we started earlier this month called We Are the Church, in which we are identifying what I believe are four corporate church practices that are meant to foster unity among God's people and are, are necessary, needed, for strengthening this unity that Christ has called us to um, as, as we serve Him as His witnesses every single day. So far, we've covered the first two practices. We talked about the practice of communion, which we celebrated two Sundays ago when we uh, partook of the bread and the wine in communion together. And then last week, we covered the practice of confession, which positions you and I to stand firmly and confidently against the pressures that confront you and I to deny Christ on a daily basis. Today, I want us to look at another corporate practice. And this time, we want to look at the practice of baptism. Everybody say baptism. Now, for the same reason that we participate in communion together, which represents Christ's body and blood, which serve to align us to this common call that we have been given as followers of Christ. So also, I believe this morning that the experience of being baptized in water was established as a public declaration of the transformative work that has been accomplished in your life and my life when we gave our hearts to Christ. There's a gentleman by the name of Herb Miller who wrote a book titled, who wrote a book titled Actions Speak Louder Than Verbs. And in it, he describes baptism this way when he writes that baptism is a lot like a wedding ring in that it draws a mark on the ground between the past and the future that declares that from this day forward, I stand with God. Now, in this text that we're about to read this morning, we're going to see a very similar sentiment expressed where the scriptures tell us that the, the disciples were gathered along with a, num- a number of individuals praying in what was referred to as the upper room. And, you know, at this time, the scripture tells us it had been already been 50 days since Jesus resurrected from the dead. It had been only 10 days since he had gone back to heaven with the promise that he would be returning the, in the same way that he left. And these disciples, minus Judas, of course, we all know what happened with him. He committed suicide after he is after he, he felt uh, the guilt of his betraying Christ. The remaining disciples who were gathered together, the Bible says, were praying in response to Christ's instruction to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come. And the Bible says that on that specific day, the day of Pentecost, as these group were praying and they were, they were seeking the face of the Lord, the Bible says that a sound like the blowing of a violent storm came from heaven and it filled the house where these people were gathered. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4, and I would encourage you to go back and read that account of what happened. The Bible says that what then appeared to be tongues of fire began to rest on the heads of everyone that was in that room. And they were merely filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to. And so dramatic was this scene of these Jews praying in other languages, languages that they had never learned up until that point. And so the crowds that were, that were around heard all of this ruckus, all of this noise, and were drawn to what was taking place, and were wondering, how is it possible that these Jews could be speaking our language? And more importantly, that the things that they're declaring are about the things that God has done, and the things that God seeks to do. And the Bible says that in the midst of all of this, that Peter, the one who denied Jesus, the one who denied Jesus three times that he knew Christ, when, when he was confronted with being an associate of Christ, the Bible says he, he denied him. In fact, one translation says he cursed. He cursed out saying that he never knew who Jesus was. And yet it was this same Peter who thankfully was restored 
before Christ went back to heaven, stood up before that crowd and he addressed that crowd. And on the heels of Peter's um, profession of the gospel, 3,000 people, 3,000 people. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's, that's a massive crowd. To hear the gospel presented and to respond in the affirmative that they want to be aligned with Jesus Christ. The Bible says 3,000 were saved. I want us to read beginning in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, the account as the scriptures narrated for us. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37. Scripture says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You realize that every time the gospel is presented, there's always an opportunity for a response. God doesn't just present the gospel to you and I just for the sake of information. God is always inviting you and I to be a part of what he is doing. He's inviting you and I to experience him. He's inviting you and I to experience relationship with him. God doesn't just tell us just so we can walk away saying, oh, well, that was nice. No, God's desire is that, that his word delivered to us will prompt a response from us. And so the scripture says when these men and women heard the words of the apostle Peter, as he explained what the gospel means and what it entailed and how it was embodied through the life and ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that these who were gathered were asking, what should we do? And then Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. For those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number on that day. I want you to let the magnitude of this scene sink in for a moment in reference to the number of people who came to faith in Christ on the heels of Peter's message. And, be, and, and, be, and, and, and if you're like me, just be enamored by the reality of, of what the, the Holy Spirit can accomplish when we, are, when we allow Him to speak through us, when we allow Him to work through us. Bible says that that day, 3,000 men and women aligned themselves with Christ by embracing, accepting, believing that His finished work on the cross for their sins was sufficient for them to know God. And on that day, Bible says 3,000 men and women made a decision that from that day forward, they would be aligned with Jesus Christ. One of the things the Bible talks about is that, is that these 3,000 were, were, were baptized. Now, of course, I want to make uh, an important note here, distinction here. In no, in no way is the scripture or even this verse, the scripture we just read, suggest that baptism is a condition for salvation. Baptism is not a condition for salvation. If anything, baptism is meant to be a symbolism of the salvation experience that you and I have, uh, have, have walked through as a result of embracing Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And so when we talk about baptism this morning as it pertains to the unity of believers or the, 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 the effort to strengthen the bond amongst believers, we need to look at it this way, that baptism is meant to signify that we are fully aligned with Christ, that it is a public statement saying that I choose Jesus. Do you, do you understand that this morning? When we are baptized... We are saying, I choose Jesus. But, it, but what, what we're doing is we're making it public. We're making it, we're making it public profession. So, of course, some people will ask the question, well, what about when John the Baptist was preaching? He baptized people. 
That was different, and I'll explain to you why it was. Because when you look at what John did compared to what Jesus commands, you discover that what John did was actually prescriptive. What John the Baptist was doing was actually meant to prepare the people for the advent of God's kingdom. Notice his message was, repent for what? The kingdom of God is at hand. Of course, he was doing this before Jesus started his ministry. Jesus represents the kingdom of God. He is the advent of God's kingdom, God's rule in your heart and my life, in your life and my life. And the scripture says that, that even though the apostle, even though Peter, John was, was inviting people to respond in repentance to their sin, it wasn't the baptism that got them saved. It was that, that decision to repent and the baptism that served as a symbolism of their decision to repent. But what Jesus does when he invites you and I to be baptized, as Matthew 28 19 says, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit is that we are by our profession of faith in Christ and our decision to be baptized indicating that we are entering into a relationship and that we are declaring our allegiance into, to, to, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit who are the objects of our worship. When we are baptized, we are celebrating what God has done in our lives. We're celebrating what the relationship God has brought us into. We're celebrating the transformation that God has brought about in our hearts. And again, this is why Christ told his disciples that when you go out and you make disciples, you are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, of the, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Why? To publicly demonstrate that you are with Him. So again, baptism is not about, it's not, it's not, it, it, being baptized doesn't make us more saved than we already are saved. It is simply meant to symbolize the transformation that is taking place. The reality is that baptism, while it was never meant to be a condition for salvation, was always meant to be seen in three ways. Number one, as a bold declaration of your rejection of sin. Again, the words were repent and be baptized. You cannot be baptized unless you've done what? Repent. And what does it mean to repent? Repenting means you reject sin. You recognize that the way I'm living is, op is, 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 uh, is opposed to the way God wants me to live. And I reject that way to embrace God's way. And it is sin that represents the way that is opposed to God. So when we are baptized, we're declaring not only that I'm with Christ, but I've rejected sin in my life. We, in, in being baptized, we are also, it, it must also be seen excuse me, as a wholehearted acceptance of Christ's finished work on the cross. And then thirdly, as a firm commitment to the Lordship of Christ in our lives. We're not alluding to a one-time event or experience, but in being baptized, we're declaring that Christ is Lord of my life every single day. And that I choose to enter into that relationship, that covenant of commitment to Him. When one who is aligned with Christ is baptized, they are demonstrating to a watching world that they are committed to Christ from that point forward. And if you're baptized, if you're born again this morning, but you've not been baptized, or you know someone who's a believer, but for whatever reason, they've not taken that step of baptism to be baptized, I, I pray this morning that, that, that these three reasons I'm about to share with you will, will, will motivate you to see this as something that you should do. Why? Because it is an invitation to obey the command that God has given us to be baptized as a witness of our faith in Him. There are three reasons why baptism is an essential part of the discipleship journey of every born-again follower of Christ. And of course, this is again not to suggest that if you're not baptized, that you're not going to heaven. Because again, salvation, relationship with God is not based on baptism, but baptism is meant to symbolize 
what is taking place because we've surrendered our hearts to Christ. Here's the first thing I want to quickly cover, and I don't have a lot of time, but I want to run through these quickly. The first reason why baptism is an essential part of the discipleship journey is that it helps us to identify with Christ in His death and in His resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to verse 4, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, and he begins by asking this question. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When we are baptized, what the Bible says to us is that baptism represents this, this entrance into this, this relationship where we, are, where, we did, 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 where we express a commitment, a devotion uh, to the Lord and to his Lordship in our lives. But that even in doing so, we are identifying with Christ's death and resurrection on the cross to suggest that what happened 2,000 years ago is not disconnected from who we are today. It has everything to do with who we are today. That because Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died to pay the penalty that I should have paid. And then when Christ rose from the dead, that He gives me life in place of the death that I deserve. And so when I'm baptized, that symbolism of being lowered into the water and being brought out of the water represents that identifying with Christ in the fact that as you're lowered, that it is the old man, the old you that's being lowered and the new you comes alive. And it is you now represented by the, you, 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 uh, the, the life that, 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 that is raised. It represents a life that, that is walking with Christ and in relationship with him. So when we are baptized, we are identifying with what he did. We're acknowledging that what he did, he did in our place. And that, and that what he did is significant enough as to transform the trajectory of your life and my life. Will someone say amen? amen? Baptism helps us identify with Christ. But not only does it help us identify with Christ, but baptism marks a new chapter in the story of your and my relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and verse 11, again, the Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know? That wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, before Jesus showed up on the scene, John the Baptist was preaching and he was saying to the people that to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand. When Jesus showed up, the kingdom of God was here. And Jesus introduced this concept of, of, of a relationship with the Father that was hindered by sin and that sin needs to be dealt with. And that the only one that is qualified to deal with our sin is one who, who even though he was tempted, did not give into temptation, who, know, who, who he does not know sin the way we know sin in the sense of we've fallen into sin, we've given into sin, we've been controlled by sin, and yet he is able to stand in our place. Why? Because he is perfect in every way. And he goes on to say in verse 11, and that is what some of you once were. Notice he's speaking to believers. He's saying that there was a time in your life where you were a wrongdoer in God's eyes. You were, you were, you were in enmity with God. You were not a child of God. You were not in, in, in relationship with him. But because of what Jesus did, that changed. And he said that that's what some of you were, but you were washed. Everybody say washed. He says not only were you washed, you were sanctified. Say sanctified. Then he says you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That word washed, that word sanctified, that word justified are significant words because they mark, they represent change. If I bring a, uh, if I bring a dirty vessel and I wash it, it no longer is dirty. When you and I came to faith in Christ, and the Bible says you and I were sanctified, we were justified. What does that mean? The word sanctified means that we are constantly being changed to become more and more like Christ. Sanctification is a process. Justification means that you and I are in right standing with God, that God no longer looks at us as guilty because of our sin, but because of what His Son did on the cross, now we are free. 
because of what his son did on the cross. So when we are being baptized, we are celebrating that when we came to faith in Christ, that not only, not only does it mean that we identify with him in his death and resurrection, but more importantly, that we are a new creation. That's why I love, love, love 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new, new, new creation. He is saying that there's a change that has taken place. The old has passed away. All things become new. Baptism is a celebration of that new chapter. And if you're born again, but you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. We want to celebrate the new journey that God has brought you on. We want to celebrate the transformation that he's brought about in your life. Do not deprive yourself of the opportunity to celebrate that new chapter that a relationship with God brings in your life. And here's the last point. Baptism celebrates the life that abandons the way of sin to follow Jesus. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, the writer says, At one time we too were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And that phrase covers every one of us. There was a time where I did not know the Lord, I did not care to know the Lord. There was a time where God was far from my radar. Yes, if I acknowledged him, it was because I needed something from him. I needed him to do something for me. But I, I was not interested in relationship with him. And because I was not interested in relationship with God, I lived however I wanted. The Bible says that you and I, at one time in our lives, we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, and I love that word, but. In fact, I love it so much, I underlined it in my Bible. But... When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. When the kindness of God appeared, when the love of God appeared, when God said, it is time for me to do something about humanity's sin condition, the Bible says He saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And so when, we, when you and I are baptized in water, what it represents is that, that we, have, we have committed ourselves to abandoning that way of life that was representative of sin, rebellion to the will of God, to the way of God, to the purpose of God for our lives. And that we choose to follow Jesus. Every time we've had the opportunity to, bless, to, to, be, to be blessed by the baptism of a brother or sister. One of the things that you would hear them say is, is, is they, they will verbally profess that they choose to follow Christ. And it is important for us to hear that. Because it serves as a point of, of reference and a point of accountability from our perspective. In the sense that we say, listen, you, by being baptized you're acknowledging that sin does not have a place in your life. It does not belong in your life. You're not meant to be a slave to sin. And so you are committed to walk in, in freedom. The freedom that Christ has made possible. And so as your brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our responsibility to look out for you. That's why baptism is, is such a public forum. Because we're holding each other accountable. We're saying, I will encourage you. You're committed to faith in Christ. I will walk alongside you to see to it that you stay faithful to the Lord. Because here's the thing, friends. We've said this many times before. I'll say it again. Even though we are committed to the Lord, this flesh still wants to do its own thing. Is it just me? I hope it's not just me. This flesh still wants to do what it wants to do. Yes? And we have to constantly, daily, Say to this flesh, no, not your will, but his will. Amen. It's not what you want, it's what he wants. 
And we're not slaves to our passions, our desires any longer. We used to be before we came to faith in Christ. But now that we're in Christ, we're not slaves to our passions and desires anymore. Now we are children of God and we will live as children of God. Baptism celebrates that life that abandons the way of sin to follow Christ. Part of the reason why it's so important for us to consider baptism as a catalyst for building unity, again, is because, as I mentioned last week, it is part of how we are demonstrating, publicly professing that we are aligned with Jesus. It is easy for us to think to ourselves, well, if I make a personal profession of faith in Christ, a private profession of faith in Christ, and that's all that God needs. No, God is saying, I've called you to be my witness. And, and how can you and I be witnesses if we're not willing to seize upon every opportunity that God gives us to publicly declare that we are children of God? So if you have not been baptized, again, I ask you, what are you waiting for? Maybe you thought to yourself, I don't need it. It's not necessary. I don't have to. Yes, again, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. But it is a matter of obedience. And if you don't have a reason not to be baptized, then why are you not being baptized? Make it public. I am aligned with Jesus Christ. Well, people already know that I'm a Christian. Friend, make it public that you're aligned with Christ, that you've drawn the line in the sand. From this point forward, you are following Jesus. And allow your body, the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, to come alongside of you and hold you, hold you accountable. Baptism is important. If it's not, Jesus would not have commanded that his disciples be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for those 3,000 men and women who got saved on that day, I, I can only imagine what it must have been like. 3,000 people getting baptized, saying publicly, I am with Jesus Christ, and not ashamed to do so. What an opportunity you and I have to, not only with our lips, but with our lives, not only on a Sunday, but every single day of the week, not only in specific situations or scenarios, but in every aspect of our lives that we are constantly walking in, in, in awareness of who God is and what God has done in our lives and what God wants to still do in our lives and that we're willing to say, I want the world to see that a relationship with Jesus changed my life. Because how else are they going to know that a relationship with Christ can change theirs? In the days and times we're in, I believe God is calling us to be bold and to be outspoken about our faith in Jesus. We're not perfect, and the word is not looking for perfection. And every time we act as if following Christ means we're perfect, when we stumble, we send the wrong message to the world. But when we are committed to allowing Christ to live in us, to help us to overcome the struggles that we have, and we let the world see our lives as an open book that they can read, and they see the power of God at work in us to help us become more and more like Jesus, friend, they are drawn to that. Because I can tell you that's what drew me to the Lord. As long as I had grown up going to church, you know, identifying as a Christian, <laughs> I didn't have a relationship with God. But when I came around peers who were willing to be bold in their profession of faith and to be committed in, in letting people know I am aligned with Christ and I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to compromise, that spoke volumes to me because I knew I don't have that. And I wanted that. And, and if, if you're here and that's you, you can, you can change that today. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, he's inviting you right now. The Bible says he stands at the door of your heart. He's knocking. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that when he died on that cross, he died for you. He had you in mind when he died. If you're the only one that needed to be, to, needed to be saved, he would have still done it. Why? Because you matter to God. That's how much God loves you. 
And God invites you and I to enter in relationship with him. How? By acknowledging that we are sinners. By acknowledging that it is our sin, our sin that keeps us away from relationship with him. But that what Christ did on the cross, he did on our behalf. So that that wall of hostility that the Bible says existed between us and God would be forever broken. And so you and I have access to God on the heels of our confession that we are sinners and our embracing what he did on the cross as being enough to, to satisfy God's righteous requirement for sin. And that we say, God, be the Lord of my life. God responds to that, friends. He doesn't play games. And if that's a commitment you need to make today, I invite you to make it right now. There is no other decision you will make that will have a greater impact on you for eternity than this one decision. Don't put it off. Do it today. God is waiting for you to respond to him. God is a gentleman. He won't force you to choose him. He wants you to choose him. Because you recognize his love for you and you're ready to walk in that love. And so I want to invite every head bowed and every eyes closed this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to be able to consider the message that your word is proclaiming to us today, God. I'm grateful, Father, for the story of these 3,000 men and women who heard the gospel. And the Bible says that they were cut to the core. They were moved by the Holy Spirit, moved to recognize their need for something to change. They could not go on the way they've been living. Recognizing, Lord, that you had made provision for that change to become a reality, these men and women asked the question, what must we do? And God, I thank you that, that the apostles gave them a clear invitation, repent, repent, and then be baptized. As a public profession of your allegiance, your devotion, your commitment, your commitment to Christ. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have in hindsight today to look back and to acknowledge, Lord, that what happened 2,000 years ago is still relevant today. What our Savior did has power today to change our lives. And God, if there's anyone that is here who is sitting on the sound of my voice, who does not have a relationship with you, I believe that throughout today's service, Lord, from beginning to this point, Lord, you've been speaking to them this word, repent, change, surrender, stop running. Because God, you want them to know that there's rest in you. Lord, there's nothing this world will ever offer us, Lord, that can ever fulfill us or satisfy us, Lord. It is only knowing you. And God, I thank you for reminding us once again that God, the rest we need, the, the peace we need, the sense of purpose we need, Father, can only be found in knowing Jesus Christ. And I pray today, whomever that may be, God, may today be their day of salvation. And God, for all of us, Lord, may today, God, be the opportunity for us, Lord, to once again renew our commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. That God, when we think back to when we got baptized, that God, we would be affirmed in our spirit, Father, that what we did, God, was pleasing to you because it was an opportunity for us to publicly profess that we are aligned with Jesus. And God, if there's anyone that is here who is born again and, and has yet to take that step, God, that, that God, there will be nothing that will hold them back, but that God, from this day forward, God, Lord, they will be, they will be committed, Lord, to 
living their lives to please you every single day, God, seeking to, to, to be a witness for you, God, so that you are seen clearly and visibly through their lives, Lord. And that, God, if they've not been baptized, Lord, that they will be willing to make public their profession of faith in Jesus. God, we thank you this morning. What a privilege it is for us to be invited, Lord, to experience relationship with you and be able to enter into that relationship and, and to do so by way of the cross. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask very quickly this morning, if you're here and say, Pastor John, please pray with me this morning. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I don't want to just know about God. I don't want to just hear what he's doing in other people's lives. I want him to come and change my life. I want to experience the change and transformation that can only come through knowing him personally. And I'm ready to surrender my life to him today. If that's you, I want to invite you to just pray this very simple prayer with me. The, it's, not, it's not as a word repeating magic words. That's not what it is. But it is meant to provide, a, as a, in a sense, guidance in, in helping you to articulate in words the commitment that you want to make today to follow Jesus. And I want to encourage those who are, have, have accepted Christ already to join with us in praying as these who are responding to Jesus in faith today make that decision to follow him. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you today for the opportunity you are giving me to make things right with you. I come to you right now. I acknowledge, Lord, that I am a sinner and that it is my sin that keeps me from a relationship with you. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And I thank you that by his, by his death and by his resurrection, not only has my sin been paid for, but I have the gift of eternal life. And so God, on the, on the, on the promise that you've made today, I open my heart to you, Lord, and I invite you to come into my life to be my savior, to be my Lord. And I ask you to change me. Help me to live for you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to know you better. And help me to make you known. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in me and that will help me to live for you. And I thank you for the support that I will receive by way of a community of believers who will come alongside of me and stand with me. Thank you for making me yours once again. And thank you for changing my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.